welcome to another episode of Setting the Tone, Near Retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and joining me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today we'll be discussing George Clooney's final episode, Season 5, Episode 15, which is titled The Storm, Part 2. The episode aired on February 18th, 1999. Lauren, what was going on that week 22 years ago? U.S. President Bill Clinton is found not guilty of perjury and obstruction of justice by the Senate, ending the congressional impeachment proceedings. O.J. Simpson sells his 1968 Heisman Trophy Award for $230,000. In part to help pay for a $33 million lawsuit settlement. I was going to make a joke if it had to do with that, and then thank you for I love. I always, I always love the site that I use because it always says... NFL running NFL running back and convicted criminal OJ Simpson <laughs> which coincidentally enough I don't think this was a part of it but uh the thing that he did end up going to jail for was a robbery where he stole back some of his own memorabilia uh, I don't think Jesus. the Heisman trophy was part of it but there was photographs and trophies and things that some legitimate memorabilia guy had obtained and he was of the opinion that he they were not legally this guy's that they actually belonged to him. And so him and a bunch of like hired goons showed up to this guy's hotel room with guns and masks and stole all his shit back. And that's what got him nailed. They, they nailed him to the wall for, I think he was sentenced to 33 years in prison. He ended up serving just short of 10, but clearly that was a response to the fact that he got off in the nineties, but the glove did not fit. (sighs) A uh, Message in a Bottle, starring Kevin Cosner and Robin Wright, debuts and takes box office crown. And Angel of Mine by Monica takes over the top spot on the music charts. As for what else was on this momentous George Clooney leaving us evening, uh, at 8 p.m., Friends with the episode The One with the Girl Who Hits Joey. At 8.30 p.m., Jesse with the episode Bar Remodel. At 9 p.m., Frasier with the episode To Tell the Truth. And at 9.30, Veronica's Closet with the episode Veronica's Favorite Year. This week's episode has a gargantuan 35.7 million viewers tuning in to see George Clooney bid us farewell. Uh, This is definitely the far and away, uh, well, I guess, I don't know. It it may not be the high watermark of the season. No, I guess it is. It is the high watermark of the season because the season premiere was only at 32. So, yeah, this is as high as we go for the whole season right here. 35.7 mil. Uh, This week's episode is directed by Chris Chulock, doing his 18th out of 43. Previous ones of his from this season include Choosing Joy, The Good Fight, and Day for Night. And this episode is written by showrunner John Wells, doing his 16th out of 32. And, of course, previous one of his from this season was just last episode, The Storm Part 1. Uh, and this episode finally won a goddamn award. It, on, it only took it only took George Clooney leaving the show for them to finally win a goddamn award for something. Uh, they won two Emmy Awards for Outstanding Sound Editing for a Series and Outstanding Sound Mixing for a Drama Series. So kudos to them. And before anyone goes, well, actually, um, we we know there's two more appearances from George Clooney. Yeah, over technically the actually 10 according, years. according to imdb there's technically four because what? it's it's two are on screen and two are sound clips no. so you you will hear his voice two more times beyond just the two cameo appearances but yeah i just got well actually sweet there you go 
Hope someone got fired for that blunder. <laughs> oh no, someone! I hope someone got fired for some of the blunders I will point out later. But <laughs> Sh- shall I take us in? Yeah, go for it. All right. Previously on is brought to us by Mark, um, and we open with Mark working on the crash site with the snowplow and the school bus, and we are immediately open to screaming children everywhere. Great. Mark has to go up and around to get to the other half of the bus to investigate who else is on there. Um, JJ is a little girl with a broken femur. She's been trapped for about 30 minutes. She will be one of our through patients this episode. And we find out she has about six hours under there until she loses the leg. So until it loses viability of, of like proper repair. Um, Dennis, a little boy, is also trapped and not very visible to the EMTs. They've been able to speak to him, but not really get at him with how the plow blade is down on the bus. And we find a crane is brought in to dislodge the plow. Oh boy. That's one way to do it. Yeah, this, I'm just going to say this right now. For a lot of these trauma scenes and a lot of this stuff, I had to pick my battles or we would have been here for three hours. So it's a very hectic episode. There's a lot of patients they mention, but I tried to, I tried to just sift through our most important ones because that's not really where the meat of the story is for this episode. So just bear with me. Holy shit. Yeah, incredibly chaotic. I mean, as we we, kind of touched on this a little bit at the end of last week, that last week was definitely a lot more character-driven, whereas this week is going to be a lot more action-driven until we get towards the end of the episode. Um, So it it is much more chaotic and much more um, frenetic, as we especially as we start off literally right in the middle of the shit that we were introduced to at the end of last episode. Um, And somewhere in all this chaos, I never was ever, ever actually able to pinpoint where exactly she first shows up because there's just so much chaos going on uh but we do get a new emt this week uh who will be with us through the end of the show um Mm. emt christine harms played by actress michelle bonilla uh making her first of 58 appearances through 2009 uh she was also uh, she's done a bunch of different stuff um we follow her on instagram and she's one of the most like actory actors there ever is like she's always working on something particularly doing a lot of voiceovers she seems to do a lot of voiceover work Um, but she was in ncis new orleans and uh, also did voice work in uh one of lauren's problematic faves fallout 76 lauren the one and only fan of that game uh she was uh, a voice in that so there are other there's like at least like 10 other fans because i we saw she saw other people's yeah, I logged faces. in like two months ago and I still saw other people. And I actually had a total of like six friends I played with that summer that it first came out. Thank you very much. Just, just it saying. was it was a game that like if you were playing single player, it could feel very hollow. But once you had friends playing like any good MMO, you it started to feel like make your own fun. Now that they've actually added NPCs that are human and like proper characters in the game i'm curious to go back and replay it through and see how the campaign was changed just an offshoot sorry no that's okay i put that in there just specifically for i knew it (laughs) and hey i can never fault that game too much because it vaulted country roads back into the national consciousness that cover is so good do you i'm sorry we listened to it as much as we did but it's so good it's okay i don't listen to it nearly as much as the mark strong cover from uh Kingsman 2. Okay, so I guess she was like a notable... That's also an amazing one. I guess she was a notable NPC when they finally added them into the game. See, there you go. So it's not just like miscellaneous voices. She's actually she's, like a name. Well, yeah, no. And she's also she's also somebody who I've definitely seen. Now that I know who she is and I, I've like made that connection from Instagram, uh, she's somebody I see a lot in commercials now. 
mm. like even on streaming services and stuff like she's usually in commercials for like uh, prescription medications and stuff it's kind of funny like i'm always like oh it's the lady from er there you gotta get your mind somehow um so let's uh get back to the episode but why because it's a great episode yeah but let's go over to our first audio clip of the episode uh carol goes up to talk to anspa about her clinic dr anspa may i speak with you for a moment please i have to finish my rounds you know that dr romano has closed the er clinic you left us little choice you can't do it listen i am in a hurry if you want to discuss this further call my office set up an appointment doctor please I've worked here for 10 years, and this ER clinic has made a real difference, preventing people from getting sick, helping them make better choices in their lives. I no longer trust your judgment. So hundreds of patients have to be punished because of my mistake? If this hospital is required to pay millions of dollars in damages, more than a few hundred clinic patients are going to find themselves without treatment. Then I'll quit. I'll quit. I'll hand over the clinic to someone else, someone you do trust. But don't close it, please, not because of me. Should have thought of that before you helped Doug do something he shouldn't have done. To be fair, she didn't realize her hus- her fiance was this much of a fucking moron. Yeah, I I think even Carol couldn't have possibly predicted that he would he would fuck things up to this degree within within eight hours of telling goddamn Mark and Carrie that he wasn't going to prescribe narcotics anymore without their approval. What does right. he do? Prescribe narcotics, and then a few hours after that, give somebody the code for assisted suicide? Who could have predicted the consequences of Doug's own actions? Certainly not Doug. Or Carol, yeah. so. Like, some, a listener pointed out to this to me uh, earlier today, actually, that it's it's easy to forget sometimes because we do these week by week and, you know, whatever, but, like, the space between, uh, I think it's double-blind so 12 and this one 15 the space of those four episodes is about maybe five days max like yeah (laughs) it's a very compressed timeline for those but you know usually there's like you know anywhere from a couple of days to a week or sometimes several weeks even between episodes this is this is incredibly compressed like this takes place over the course of a a handful of days and a lot of shit happens (laughs) and now we're seeing it all kind of come crashing down and it's not great not great. Speaking of car crashes, uh, let's go. I thought check you were going to say speaking of not great. Well, I mean, it's not great either, but uh, where were we? Ah, yes, the pit of despair. Uh, Doug and Jeannie's car crash, where we left off last episode. Uh, Doug is calling 911 on his cell. Uh, Jeannie is very unconscious, slumped over the dashboard, looking 31 flavors of fucked up. Uh, and that takes us right into the bangs. No twinkles on this one, uh, as you might imagine. Also, uh, uh, I, I need to make a side note here. On lists of movies that I say I'm going to keep watching, I watched about half of Princess Bride the other night. So I am chipping away at my backlog. Look at you. Look at so me go. Proud. I'm so proud. I, I accomplished uh, something. The <laughs> wink wink on that is strong. I mean, oh, we, the- we just got to we just gotta whatchamacallit, a free subscription to Paramount Plus for a year through our cell phone company. So... <laughs> I was I, I don't remember what I was watching it on, but yeah, it was. Um, well, I'm just saying, so you can actually chip away at like Survivor and stuff like that. Yeah, I love Survivor. <laughs> Lizzie watched some of it with me and hates it. I don't hate it. It's just you pointless. don't get it. Yeah, I, I I probably would be in the same boat. But we come back from the intro uh, with Lily uh, coming into the ER uh, asking what is happening. 
uh, Yosh, as they're getting the details about uh, the situation with the bus, Yosh is complaining that he should have called in sick, which, big mood there, Yosh. I understand that completely. Uh, Jerry passes everything off to Randy and immediately tries to bail. Like, he's taking off his clerk coat and everything, and he's, like, out the door when Carrie stops him with, you're off when I say you're off. Uh, I also just want to point out, how is no one, like, filling all the people coming on staff about why the police are there? Why Doug is gone? (laughs) Why, like, oh my, it's not, you know, it's not what they gossip about next. It's, you know, Doug fucking killed someone. Why aren't we talking about that? Right, yeah, it does feel like that gets a little bit lost in the shuffle. The other part, to the other point you mentioned about where is Doug... Uh, in a few moments, we'll realize that nobody actually knows Doug and Jeannie are gone yeah. yet. So that's yeah. part of that. But yeah, uh, it does feel like the the whole, you know, Doug killed a kid maybe gets buried just ever so slightly in the uh, bunch of kids trapped in a school bus narrative. Mm-hmm. But, you know, priorities. But but everyone, of, everyone at the front desk now knows, oh yeah, Lu- Lucy and Carter were fucking. Well, you got to have they're the talking, important stuff up front. Obviously, they're talking very loudly about it, which like, Bro, Weaver's right there. <laughs> and Carter's right there, yeah. too. Like, Yosh and Yosh, Chuni, and Lily just have this little gossip train right behind Carrie and Carter. And it's just like, what the fuck? I also love yeah. Yosh. What about Carter? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yosh is forever a mood. I, I love him so much. Uh, and Benton's looking over his options for remote doctor locations for the, the program that was discussed in our previous episode. He's talking, talking to Corday about it. And he's, she's like, what the hell? Like, Minnesota, rural Minnesota in the middle of winter? It's like, yeah, but it pays 4000 bucks a yeah. week. Which, yeah. 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 I also, I also realized something. If Carrie is dark side work, Lauren, then Yosh is, uh, is light side work, Lauren. <laughs> there, that's the balance in the force there. Ugh. I mean, speaking, speaking specifically about Benton's thing, like, I can remember at, like, the beginning of COVID when, like, everything was really burning down there for a month or so. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, uh, Jen gets a lot of, um, travel nurse, um, inquiries and stuff she'll get text messages and emails and stuff from all these hiring services that are like hey you know are you interested in taking a six-week travel position at blah 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 whatever and the pay is this much and i remember for that first couple of weeks of pandemic when uh, everything was really really fucked up i remember she got one for new york uh like new york city where everything was really really bad where it was somewhere in the neighborhood of like 10 grand a week like it was like 10 grand a week for like six weeks of work. And it was like, holy shit, they must be desperate. Like, which they were, but uh, yeah, it, it can get really, it, it, the amounts of money that they will throw at people when they're short is insane. But from there we go. Carol is talking to Lynette about the clinic as Lynette runs her through the status of all the different patient files. Cause Lynette still thinks they're closing. Uh, we find out Anspa agreed to keep the clinic open if Carol quits the clinic and she gets to keep her job in the ER, but not as management anymore. So she gets demoted. And so Carol says, well, you have to do it, Lynette. You have to keep the thing open. I'll help you, but you have to do it. And Lynette's like, no, I'm terrible at it. I don't want the management job. I just want to help in the clinic. Um, and Carol just kind of tries to guilt her into it. Where It's like, if you don't do it, how are these people going to get treatment? It's like, Carol, you should have thought of that before you uh, helped, helped who you knew as an irresponsible doctor. This is not <laughs> Lynette's problem. Stop it. Just, that should just be the subtitle of this episode. Stop it. 
<laughs> stop. stop. Stop it. Um, but also, I just looked it up. Uh, Four thousand in nineteen ninety nine dollars would be about just shy of sixty six hundred. So the ten grand a week is definitely a, a premium over what yeah. Ben would be paid, or shall I say, will be paid? Because hey, there you go. Set up next episode is set up. Um, but uh, Carter goes to confront Chuni about Lucy and him, and I love Lucy. I mean, I I love Chuni so much here. Yes, she's just she's ultimate sass queen. And and I wouldn't, we wouldn't have it any other way. He's like, she's like a little, she's like a little sister, and she immediately snaps back. You do that with your little sister. <laughs> Ugh. Uh, and, I, and oh yeah, by the way, Carter has a girlfriend that seems to have fallen by the wayside pretty hard. Yep. I I wish we had gotten to like this point when we had talked to um, uh, Laura and. Yvette, because it would have been so fun to ask her opinion on getting to shoot like this shit where she got to just completely talk down <laughs> to him and really yeah. play it up because she gets kind of a front center the, the last few episodes just in that regard mm-hmm. she kind she kind of gets to be sat sassy aunt nurse yeah it's a good look for her yeah so we go from there to uh our, our next trauma patient a 10 year old female with an amputated hand oh ah. Yeah, they are still looking for the hand on site. Details to come on that. Uh, as you might imagine, with the frenetic pace, we jump right over to the next one. A nine-year-old boy unable to move his legs. Uh, and then right over to the next one, an 11-year-old female with blunt force trauma to the chest. Uh, Carrie has them go. I went and checked. So, like, there there are cuts here, but they are very quick cuts. Mm-hmm. And this is almost a, like, four to five minute nearly unbroken sequence. Like, it's just like boom, 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 one right after the other as soon as they come in. It is, I, I do not envy Lauren having to take the notes on this because it is a nightmare to... I have I have a meta note about my notes down below. There were one or two times where I was like, Lizzie, stop. And Lizzie <laughs> stopped patiently and then Lizzie would hit pause again. And I was like, no, wait, stop it. I'm still not done. Like, because yeah. I'd have to play, my brain would have to catch up with what I just saw. And it was... It wasn't like we had pauses for dialogue where I could kind of fill in the blanks. It was shit like that where it was just like, let's go through the whole ambulance bay. Right, yeah. Like, and both yeah. trauma rooms. And <laughs> both trauma rooms. And it, like, if they're cuts, they're rapid cuts. They're not nice transitions. So, yeah, yeah this one was a testament to my uh, office job skills. Yeah, they don't do a ton of um, inter-set uh, cuts mm-hmm. like they don't they don't do a lot of cutting from one room to the next they um they pretty much follow like if they're coming in from the ambulance bay they will follow them from the ambulance bay all the way to the trauma room the cuts that you see are really perspective cuts mm-hmm. where it'll be like we'll see things from carter's perspective now and then we'll see things from carrie's perspective and then we'll see like it's it's usually perspective driven rather than geographical um speaking of carrie they have she has them tear the police tape down from trauma two and kicks kicks the cops out over their protest that this is a crime scene and that they need to you know keep things as they are but she's like fuck you dude we got a mass casualty event get out so uh that that crime scene's tainted uh it's <laughs> all hands on deck for these traumas uh lucy is helping uh and it's 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 a nice bit of character growth com- when compared to her first episode how she was so like you know deer in the headlights just completely hopeless uh with her first trauma now she is like much more competent and i think i think that little surgical rotation did her some good she's doing a damn chest tube with carter yeah like no problem and is holding her own like yeah 
good honor. Uh, Jerry comes in and when Carrie instructs him to go find Jeannie, cause I think it's Carol who's like, I can get Doug, you know, he's a pediatrician. He can, and Carrie yeah. shuts that down immediately and is like, no, Doug's not involved in this. And he, she instructs Jerry to go get Jeannie. And I love the way that Jeannie, or I love the way that, that Jerry says Jeannie's not around. Like, and she's like, well, where is she? And he's like, I don't know. And it's something, it's just something about the way that we as the audience know what's happened but none of the people in this room know what's happened that and, and spoken through a, a vessel like Jerry. I don't know. It just like, it hit me in a very specific way that I can't really it's, fully describe. It's kind of like when Mark gets assaulted and it's right. like, everybody's outside in the hall shooting the shit and he's down on the floor bleeding. It's that same kind of visceral. We know, but they don't. Right. Yeah. So, uh, Yeah. They're, they're looking for Jeannie, can't find her, and I think Carol mentions at one point that she's going to go try to find Doug as well. Then we uh, go back to the accident site. Doug is waving down the ambulance, asking for gloves, tells the EMTs that Jeannie is HIV positive. Oh yeah, I'm a doctor, yeah. <laughs> um, and pretty much starts trying to treat Jeannie himself. That was my worst Clooney impression ever. It's fine. It's This this part made me so mad. I don't care. Go Cons- yeah. considering, considering that he himself, in a vehicle just slipped on that very same ice and crashed into a tractor trailer he seems awfully confident that that ambulance is going to be able to stop because he stands right in front of it with his hands up as it's trying to stop on this ice and it's like bro you just slid on that very same ice he's had a long day and also he may be a little a little concussed himself ever so slightly yeah not not quite not quite as bad as genie but yeah he should not be doing he should not be he shouldn't be evaluating yeah he shouldn't be evaluating he should be letting one of the emts help him out but he's a doctor genie looks dead like they do a really good job of like fucking her up for this like she looks dead it's uh doug looks worse to the wear himself but genie's has reactive pupils so she's not dead yep uh, then we go back to the school bus. This is going to be a goddamn lightning round, folks. Let's do this. Uh, they're figuring out how to get the plow lifted safely because there's some concern about splitting the chassis. I had no idea what the issue was with why they weren't just doing it the way we thought they should, but then they do it the way I thought they would anyway. Um, they found the kid's hand, so that's exciting. Uh, we're working on extracting JJ. Dennis has stopped talking back to the team, the little boy who was stuck further underneath. Mark insists on staying in the bus while they lift the plow blade and keeping JJ company. Very cute. He covers JJ's face with a uh, firefighter helmet. Very sweet. Uh, We're back to Pete, Golden, Mark. Um, They start to get JJ out now. They have to get pressure on her leg immediately because it is pumping blood. Whenever they use the word pumping to describe stuff, it just makes my skin crawl. As Um, well it should. Yep. Uh, Dennis is breathing shallow. He has a possible fracture. EMT calls Mark out to back to JJ. Her leg is super fucked up, and he advises Mark advises how to tourniquet it the best they can to get her over to county. And we find out from the, um, I think it's the chief from the firehouse or whatever, mm-hmm. the guy from Exodus. That yeah, fire captain. Yes, fire captain. That's the word. Thank you, dear. Um, <laughs> all major injuries have been evacuated, and now it's just the minor ones. So Mark should really go back to county and help out there. Then he just goes boop right onto the ambulance. Yep. Is that the noise he makes when he gets in the ambulance? Just yep. boop. I do. I do love the um, the 
I believe it's Zadro when they get into the ambulance and they're driving away and he has that little smirk on his face and he's like, Mark's like, what? He's like, they're all alive. And like, there's something about that is like, I don't know. Like, even though I, even though I don't, I've never worked in a health you know, environment like that where like lives are at stake, there is something genuinely satisfying about being in a, whether it be retail or just something where it's, it, it can, it can get stressful and you get to a point where like you have that, that, brief moment where the clouds part and you feel like you have some slight bit of control over the situation it can be really nice to just catch a co-worker's eye and just be like we're doing this shit like we're like this is mm-hmm. fucked up but we're doing it like and it's gonna be okay like genuinely like an, it's just a nice moment oh trust me christmas retail you have several such moments when you when it's late in the day and you're pulling shit off that would be challenging for you at you know ten in the morning as right. opposed to five in the afternoon. For sure. Not I'm not at all comparing retail to ambulance work or no, but but I mean there there is there is some those, those some crunch moments of, exactly yeah. that you can you may not know the specifics of it, but you can at least appreciate the feeling. Uh, and then we go back to the ER. Predictably, has now been inundated with parents, and specifically Randy is inundated with the parents, and she's handling it like a pro. Although she kind of heard the way her voice sounds, she sounds like she's about to cry a little bit. Little yeah, bit. but she's doing she's doing her very best. Uh, Dennis is brought in as dad sees him. Carrie does a great job bringing Mark up to speed on everyone, um, and they're like, and. And she's like, there's airbags in every car in America, but we send off, send off our children like lamps to the slaughter because there's no seatbelts in them. <laughs> Which is still think, not really a thing. I mean, it, it, I don't no. know. I don't think so. I mean, maybe. I don't know. I, I haven't been on a school bus, obviously, in 15 years. but I don't think they are. I was going to say, on my dad's, they are. But then again, he also... Uh, He's on the special needs bus, Yeah, I was right? going to say, yeah. The special the special needs children is who he, who he ferries back and forth. Um. Uh, Carrie tells Mark to go clean up because yeah, he's looking looking a little rough. I mean, he's not looking that rough, but um, still. Uh, Jerry ordered pizza for everyone so they can just sort of eat and go, and they're also looking for Jeannie. Uh, I love that Jerry's priority in this whole mess is pizza. <laughs> There's something, but I mean, it, it echoes back to Blizzard when um, yeah. what's her face? Linda, Linda Farrell. I was gonna yes, Linda was doing it for everybody to make sure the whole staff got to eat during the crisis. So. It's not that unheard of. It's just funny because it's Jerry. Exactly. Also, forty-two fifty for four large pizzas is a pretty darn good deal. Yeah, I was gonna say that is not city. bad. That is not bad with delivery too. Yeah. Uh, we then see uh, our next patient, a boy, Anthony Martino, who's found away from the crash, got thrown. Carter is working on him as he's throwing PVCs. We then see Mark checking on Corday and JJ's leg. Uh, she's bought vascular some time stabilizing the leg. Uh, JJ is very sweetly asking for her mom. Uh, and Corday uh, says that I believe the instructions from vascular are there to wait to call uh, to see if she can be transported to another facility. But Mark tells her not to wait and is like, just call now. Uh, and you're, you're starting to see a little bit more like professional work, working relationship. They're definitely pairing up uh, Corday and Green a little bit more here. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if those thoughts have started to bleed into the uh, creative, the the writing room. You know, I wonder if they've started to play with the idea of what these two look like together on screen. Uh, like perfection, obviously. Well, that's your opinion. <laughs> uh, so then Carter is going to start rewarming Anthony with, I think he says a warm bladder, like of 
saline instead of doing a full peritoneal lavage because there's a clot in his liver that um, Carter doesn't want to potentially throw. So they have to do it the slightly slower, more conservative way to be safe. Um, Kube shows up and starts asking Mark frantically about Mobilage's surgery and if he really needs it. Of course, we think it's because she's an anxious wife just worried about a surgery. We'll find out more about that in a little bit. Um, Doris brings in a girl that crashed on the way over. Mark tells Kube to wait in chairs. And Malik gives Mark the situation with Doug and Jeannie. And right on cue, they're brought in. Uh, Carrie starts to take care of Jeannie and reminds everyone to take HIV precautions. Um, Carol asks Doug to let her to let her clean up Doug. To, um, and Carrie start and Doug's like, no, 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 I gotta. He starts keeps barking out of orders for Jeannie, and it's like, no, 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 I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go fix Jeannie. And Carrie's just constantly screaming at Doug, like, no. You are not working in this hospital, not tonight. Ugh, the way she like, screams at him is so good. Yeah, in the middle of the floor, it's like, bro, back the fuck off. Ugh, chills. So then, yeah, Carol Doug grabs Doug to go clean him up. We will touch base with them in just a moment. Uh, and then Carter and Carrie are working on Anthony, getting him warmed up. Um, and find out that he has a conductive loss. But they did not take his wet clothes off right away, which is sapping heat away from his body. You know where I learned about this, Daniel? In our ER book. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, when they, talk, when they talk about the Hell or High Water episode, they talk about how the very first thing you want to do with a patient is get them out of their wet clothes because it leads to conductive loss because water is excellent for conduction and it saps the heat out. How about that? See? Clearly, we need to schedule setting the tone part two. I, I heard the term and I was like, yes. <laughs> I was excited. We've all learned something today, friends. But yeah, so if you come inside from the cold and you're still fucking freezing and it's been snowing or you've been like sweating inside your winter coat on your commute home, take that shit off. Change into dry clothes. There's a reason your mom told you to do it when you came in from playing outside. Um, Midwest mom note aside... We go to Mark asking Jerry what the status of the beds is, and it is so cute because as Jerry is kind of giving him the rundown, Jerry is holding a pizza box for staff in one hand and a random kid in the <laughs> other. With an, this kid has an eye patch on. I didn't catch it the first time we watched this episode, but I caught it when I was taking the notes. And it's just like, sweet boy, Jerry. Good man. that You're just holding this random eight-year-old. Just like like he's a toddler because Abraham Ben Ruby's so big. Right. That he's that just kid's... able to hold this kid. <laughs> that kid's, kid's probably like 12. Yeah. <laughs> This kid's like eight to ten, and he's just got him scooped up. Just hey, chief, just very cute. I love it. I want to see more episodes of Jerry hanging out with kids. Um, and I also this was a moment where we paused so I could write that note. And my meta note here was excellent goddamn choreography and scoring on this whole episode. Holy shit! Because my brain had a moment to catch up with what I was seeing. Hot damn, everyone's doing such a good job. Like, when we've heard from the cast and crew how much goes in to staging each of these scenes and each of these cuts, and you realize with frenetic episodes like this how much worse it has to be with how much more packed the sets are, Mm -hmm. just holy shit, I just had to take a moment. Yeah. Because hot damn. Um, But then Romano butts in to be Romano and is, like, saying that JJ has more time, and Mark's like, no, fucking call another location anyway she does not have time and Romano's like she still has two hours it'll be fine and then walks away just being a dick (sighs) 
Uh, Romano gonna Romano. Um, so let's uh, go over to our next audio clip. Uh, Carol and Doug. Carol's actually cleaning up Doug. And there are a few points where there's a few seconds in a row of pretty much totally quiet audio. Do not adjust your podcast device. We are still here. You're gonna need sutures. Sorry for everything. I'm gonna go to Anspa. I'm gonna throw myself on my sword. See if you'll open the clinic again. Anspa's gonna keep the clinic open. He changed his mind. I threw myself on my sword. Lynette Evans is gonna take over the clinic. I'm back to my blue collar roots, punching the clock in the ER. to say there isn't anything to say it's done just have to accept it and move on i'm gonna resign take responsibility for everything that happened i'm destroying my relationship with you i probably lost my best friend i'm certainly damaged both of your careers. I hate Weaver. I hate Romano. It's time to go. Where? I liked Seattle when I was in med school. I didn't see much of it, but I liked it. Seattle? The Pacific Northwest. Take that job offer in Portland. It's pretty up there. It's clear. You like it. Carol, we got another read coming in. I'll be right there. I love you. I grew up here. My family's here, my friends, my job. They just got demoted. Yeah, well, you had something to do with that, didn't you? Come with me. I gotta get back to work. I'll talk about it later, okay? When, when he says that he may have lost his best friend. I mean, kind he's, of. <laughs> he's right, but it's still just like, you can tell that he's finally fucking woken up to all the damage he's caused. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, I don't know. it. Like I said last episode, I think my, my main takeaway or my main gripe with the whole story is that I feel like he should have suffered more consequences than what he ultimately ends up doing mm-hmm. um and i think i don't know like creatively uh logistically whatever you want to call it like they're in a weird spot right now like it, the writers and er in general they're in a really weird spot at this particular moment because uh spoilers for part of the uh 
Doug Ross retrospective, which will be up on Patreon uh, later in the same week that this episode is. Um, Clooney basically announced he didn't announce it himself, but he made clear his intentions to the higher ups at ER prior to season five that he was done. Like when his contract was up, which for some reason only extended to middle of season five instead of the end. I'm not quite sure why that why that was, but he made clear that when his contract was up, he was done and he was not going to continue. Um, And they didn't begrudge him that Carol, on the other hand, or Juliana Margulies, her status is far more up in the air at this point. Like she, I think is under contract at least for another year and they are going to offer her an absolutely stupid boatload of money to try to get her to stay. Um, I, I feel like Abraham Ben Ruby touched on this a little bit when we interviewed him. He, he, he may, may have. he made some money money comments during yeah. that interview. But. He, he may have. Um, that sounds familiar. But um, and I, I it was mentioned in her book. Um, and I, I don't mm-hmm. have the figure off the top of my head, but it, it's a, it's a ridiculous amount of money. It was like over twenty million dollars for two more years. Um. And w- I know at least three of our listeners are screaming at you right now that they have the exact. <laughs> I'm sure. Head. I'm sure they do, um, but that they were gonna. That basically, they wanted her to stick around at least as long as um, Eric LaSalle and Anthony Edwards ultimately did, um, mm-hmm. which puts them in a really strange spot creatively here because obviously the impulse is there for them to keep Doug and Carol happy and have that couple have a happy ending. But one half of the equation is walking out the door at the end of this episode, and how do they maintain that? while still holding out hope that she is going to stay, not just for the rest of this season, but hopefully two more years after this, at least. And they managed to walk that tightrope pretty well, I think, all things considered. Like, there's some sloppy stop starts in there. Yeah. But I think I think overall, like, and we're going to get into it. Oh, we are. Oh, we'll get into it. But, yeah, definitely. Um, and I just have to say... Him going to the Pacific Northwest makes me sad because that's where all my high school friends moved after college. So all my friends mm-hmm. are out on the West Coast now, and I'm over here like, but Chicago. He's gonna go work at Seattle Grace Hospital. Oh God! Don't we? May, we've been so, <laughs> so goddamn good, Lizzie. Ugh. But no, I just I, like I think maybe it might have been a better idea. It might not have. It would not have been the popular choice, certainly. And I can't say with the benefit of hindsight that I'm not happy that they ended up doing what they ultimately ended up doing because it is nice that at the end of the day when all the dust settled mark or uh doug and carol did get their happy ending but yes but it would not have been the popular decision but part of me wonders if it might not have been the better choice for carol for the rest of her time on the show to just let them go their separate ways Mm -hmm. like make him suffer something bigger of a consequence that he really did lose her and not just because he's removing himself from the area, he's leaving Chicago, but like actually her standing up for herself as a woman and going like, no dude, you almost fucking ruined my career. Fuck you. Like, and right. It almost feels like as it is right now, she suffers more than he does. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's my biggest issue with it. Like I said, it would not have been a popular decision. I can see why they didn't do it, but part of me wonders if that would have not been better for her as a character for the rest of the time she ends up staying. So, and her and Kovach lived happily ever after. <sighs> Don't even start that. <laughs> cursed, cursed pairing. Watch, we'll get to that point, and I'll be like, "This isn't too bad," and everyone will hate me. I I have to point out that somebody, I think it was on Discord. Uh, I'm not sure if this is an official fandom designation or if this is a you know create a create a ship, but they called it. I assume it's pronounced Hathovach, but. Uh, <laughs> 
it looks like when it's written down, it looks like Hathovac, which is <laughs> which sounds like the world's most terrifying household appliance. So <laughs> I love I love pairing names so yeah. much. The ship names are fun. Ship names are good. I corrected one of my friends today on Twitter about what slash fiction meant. And it reminded me that I was far too on the internet as a teenager. <laughs> Screw you. I'm chronically online right now. Yeah, but being chronically online right now in the 2020s compared to being chronically online on LiveJournal as a teenager in Fair the aughts. A little different. Very different experiences. I mean, do you count online gaming in no, being chronically you, online? No, you, okay. you weren't on uh Newgrounds fandom. doesn't count. No, you were not on a fandom forums and doing fan fiction and things like that. I was more thinking of just living on Xbox Live from nope, 2004 diff- totally, to totally, like 13. Totally different version of internetting than what I'm talking about here. A lot less horny and a lot more racial slurs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, excuse you, Daniel. Dan- Daniel. 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 <laughs> excuse you, Daniel. There was homophobic slurs as well. Okay, fair, fair. That's fair. Okay, so they did have something in common. <laughs> My God. Anyway, there is so much Lydia in the background on this episode, you guys. Did yes. you notice that? Let's yes. change subject. You mean back to like the topic of our podcast? Yeah, sometimes people want us to talk about ER. But um, yeah, did you guys notice that she is... Like, I just I caught some, some excellent uh, Lydia facial expressions just in the background of some of these traumas as she's, you know doing good serious nurse work but then sometimes somebody will say something and she'll just pull an excellent Lydia face mm. and I just love her and just again it makes me think of our interview with Ellen and all the uh, all the how she talked about how she really tried to stay present even when she knew she wasn't going to be the focal point of the mm-hmm. shots because she might just get a little piece of gold on there gotta make deal with what you got I right? love it and I've I've tried to pay so much more attention to her when she's on screen now because of it not also. I haven't called her a thirst trap in a while. Lydia hasn't been a thirst trap in <laughs> yeah, a while. Yeah, they've really told me she's now that she's a married woman. That's also true. Gabarski. Gabarski. Yeah. Why? It's well, so, I guess it doesn't have to, but it, it doesn't have to change. But it would have been really funny if her last name changed to Grabarski. <laughs> Lydia Grabarski would have been fun to say. You got to do it with the R. Gabarski. Gabarski. It just makes me feel like I'm at home every time we say it. Just just the peak Midwest. Mm. Chef's kiss. Uh, but then Mark grabs Kube and Carol to chat about Mobilage surgery. Uh, so they're going to they're gonna have a talk in a little bit. This is only going to be fine. Uh, Benton and Carrie are looking at Jeannie's scans. And Carrie says that Jeannie's results don't have anything to do with the accident, but there's still some not great things anywhere, anyway. Yeah. Specifically, so, she has some fluid around her liver. Yeah, so they're all going to... not blood. They're all going to have a chat in a bit. Hey. Carrie's going to go have a, a lovely friend chat with Jeannie. Um, oh, I get to do this part? I get to read the awful part this episode? <laughs> I mean, okay, this is one of those parts where it's like... Nobody wants the to. The acting is... The acting is on point and it's just trigger warning it was it was just such a heavy trigger warning that it even made me comfortable for sexual assault made you comfortable make me uncomfortable it made me uncomfortable uncomfortable <laughs> un uncomfortable yes ma- major trigger warning for um sexual assault discussion yeah but it's acted so perfectly 
Mm-hmm. So I'm going to actually say what it is Would now. Would you like me to say what it is? No, I'll tell Okay, go, then go. Uh, Rip so, off the band-aid. So Carolyn Kuber talking and... Um, she doesn't want Mobilage to be able to have sex again, essentially. She's afraid of him, you know, getting a libido back because they've always been happy kind of living platonically when he came back from Nigeria um, after being tortured. He didn't he didn't want that. And she, she didn't want that either. Now, she didn't want it because she was repeatedly raped after he was taken away and tortured. Um, I'm not going to get into the specifics. They're very well performed and it is appropriately horrifying and a heavy moment in the episode. But yeah, she says she doesn't know if she can overcome her own trauma to be there for him. And she never told him that she was assaulted because it would absolutely destroy him. And Carol kind of does a little bit of white knighting bullshit here without any kind... I feel like this is a really unempathetic stance that she takes without taking a moment to think about the consequence. Because she goes, well, you have to tell him if you love him. Yeah, that's a little... No, this is a conversation to have with a PTSD counselor <laughs> right? in a in a secure environment where you both can process it safely. Yeah. We have seen... That he is going through some stuff and is not necessarily in the right frame of mind to deal with this info dump. She is clearly still dealing with the trauma. Carol, this is shitty advice. And she knows he's in not in the right yeah. state of mind. Yeah. yeah, she's seen him. She's seen him probably have PTSD attacks at home and also, you know, in at work. Like she knows. And, and- so yeah, this is this is one time where I am on the side of some of the people that poo-poo Carol for some of the shit she does. This is a little too self-righteous and white nighty for me with how she goes about this. Well, Doug's leaving, so we have to have <laughs> I Carol did, take up the mantle. I did have that thought when I had this complaint in my head. And, and based on you know events later in the episode, you could very strongly make the argument that, that mm-hmm. those events might kind of be Carol's fault directly. Like You could mm-hmm. kind of draw the, the direct line between this moment and what happens later in the episode. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, Carol... Maybe don't tell her to go do that. You're <sighs> well. Before we get into before we get to that fun stuff, yeah, uh, we haven't had some good Carrie and Jeannie audio in a while. So like, overall, this isn't like the most impactful thing in the world. But we just love Carrie and Jeannie on this show. So let's listen to some Carrie and Jeannie. Hey, hey. Ugh, I didn't mean to wake you up, sorry. What time is it? It's uh, 2 30. Sutures look great. Who did them? Peter. Took forever. Kind of a perfectionist, if you hadn't noticed. Mm-hmm. I got a bed for you upstairs so you can get some real sleep. Mm-hmm. How you feeling? Sore. So what is it? Peter took some more blood. Um, how, how have you been feeling lately? A little run down. Is it AIDS? No. Your T-cell count was normal, but your liver function tests indicate that you might have hepatitis and uh, your abdominal CT showed a small amount of fluid around your liver capsule. 
Uh, have you been tested? Yeah, I had um, hepatitis B vaccination five or six years ago. I hadn't had an A. So you think it's C? It might be. We need to admit you and do a few tests. Well, that sounds like the doctor answer. I was kind of hoping for a good friend answer. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be my guess. All this time I'm worrying about HIV and I get hepatitis C. Huh? We should do the biopsy. No, I, I might. I might be wrong. Wouldn't be the first time. Maybe the second time. Huh? Maybe the third time. <laughs> I love they the are, two of them. They are the yeah. best. I love it. Maybe the second time. Ugh. Or the third. Uh, and just I looked just quick brief overview I looked it up there isn't like necessarily like if you get hep C while you have HIV you're done for mm. it's nothing nothing like that but it can be more of a chronic problem mm -hmm. like just in general so I imagine someone who already has a potentially compromised immune system from HIV might be a big bigger deal for them. Cute, bigger pain in the ass. Yeah, I love how, I love how even in her concussed state, Jeannie's still on mm -hmm. top of her shit. Like she, yeah. she's like, you took my blood. I know something's up. Like cut yeah. the shit. I, I also love how uh, she's like, yeah, Benton did them. That's why they're perfect. <laughs> <laughs> just a cute little thing, and also the visual of Benton just doing her sutures and like being there for her is so good. I know. Just, I almost yeah. felt like there was a little bit of a missed opportunity there to have like a little, you know, Benton Genie friendship, a genuine yeah. friendship moment between the two of them. You don't have to like get into their history or anything. They, yeah. They've they've really kept those two like worlds apart for quite a mm -hmm. while now, and it would have been really nice to see like just a little brief moment of just like, hey, it's gonna be okay. I also love how Jeannie calls her out and is like, don't give me the fucking doctor answer. I, I love, <laughs> though, that you answer. get, like, you do get the, like, really good doctor um, bedside manner from Carrie there. And yet she then manages to seamlessly transition into the good friend answer without really mm -hmm. changing her tone or anything at all. Like, she just, she keeps the exact same tone, the exact same kind of cadence, but she just changes the information. She goes from less of the, like, eh, it could be, maybe, I don't know, to, like, well, yep. yeah, that's what it is, but it's going to be okay. We're going to figure it out. Like, it's just mm, so good. They've come so far. They really have. So we go from there uh, over to Carol, uh, who told Mark what was going on with Kube. Uh, Mark's going to call and see if he can find someone who specializes in PTSD, which is what Carol should have fucking done in the first place. Um, but all that aside, this is actually a very nice moment between these two. Uh, Carol tells Mark that Doug is going to quit, uh, to which Mark replies, maybe he should. Uh, <laughs> Mark, no fucks given green, checking in mm -hmm. here. Uh, he says, you know, and when she, like, kind of, she doesn't, like, object, but her face is just kind of like, you know, how could you say that? Or, you know, that kind of thing. And he's like, I love him like a brother, but I'm done. Uh, Carol starts crying and is like, you know, I can't remember a time when I didn't love him. It's just a very, like, sweet moment. 
between these two specifically, like, which we've talked about this a little bit in the past, but like the Mark and Carol friendship is uh, an underrated one. Like it's one that doesn't get talked about nearly. It it very much gets overshadowed by the Mark and Doug friendship. Yes. Uh, But Mark and Carol is also really, really good. Uh, And he sort of underscores that sentiment here by telling her that, you know, I, I think I'll miss you maybe more than I'll miss him, which is just a really sweet sentiment he gives her a little kiss on the forehead and then Mm -hmm. walks away like it's just it's a nice moment between friends and i'm just gonna say here i said this to lizzie when we were watching the episode but i'm so glad they don't try to make this a thing after dog oh yeah that this doesn't become a pairing yes yeah yeah they 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 let you know that it's there they let you know that there's a very strong bond between these two characters but they don't try to force it they don't Mm -hmm. try to replace doug with carol in mark's life and yep. that's a good choice. Less is more. Yep. Uh, but then Carol goes to talk to Anthony's mom. Um, he is now stable. They have to take him up to surgery. But first, um, Carol can take the mom in to see him and just touch in. And we find out as Carol and Mark are t- talking again a little bit later. Uh, Carol hasn't slept since the day before yesterday Ugh. because of how crazy everything has been. And Mark hasn't slept since, like, last night or yeah. something. And it's been on for 24 hours yeah. straight. Ugh. Uh, so let's uh, go to our next audio clip. Doug's packing up his little mini office that he has in the Peds Clinic when he gets uh, a visitor. Is this where you work? What's the time, yeah? Surprised to see you're still here this late at night. I thought doctors made life and death decisions about other people's families and then go home to their million dollar homes and stole martinis. He was in agony. He was dying. Not in days, in hours. He stole my son from me. Joey Call and I caught the first flight out. I came as quickly as I could. Ricky died and I wasn't there. I didn't get to hold his hand. I didn't get to say goodbye. You stole that from me. I mean, yeah. But, but, but yeah. No. No. It's. No. I think. It's more nuanced than that. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a more nuanced situation than that. And also, too, I just kind of think that this moment in general is a little bit strange and out of place. Like, I kind of feel like we did all we needed to do with the dad, and I don't think he's necessary to this story anymore. And I feel like it's kind of weird for him to just still be hanging around like a ghoul. Like, he's just wa- – he's. <laughs> I just imagine this guy, like, wandering the halls in his, like, fancy peacoat thing and, like, waiting to berate Doug as soon as he comes in the room. Like, it's – it's just a very strange appearance, and um, I, I get what they're trying to do, but it, like it, for whatever reason, it just doesn't land with me. I don't know. No. Fair enough. I'd agree. If anything, you would think Joy would have one last scene with him. No. They had their beautiful they, they, Yeah, they did, day, but so. I agree with what Lizzie's saying, is that if, if between one or the other, if you thought they were going to do anything else, I think Joy makes more sense than he does. I think... He, to me, is a very one-dimensional part of this story, really doesn't factor in much of all. And if anything, I think reminding us that he exists further detracts from the whole story in general because 
the whole thing is so, the the whole uh, escalation of this story hinges on the fact that he showed back up into their lives. He was gone. He was out of the picture entirely. Yeah. And then they just brought him back in at the eleventh hour, and that's what turned the story up to eleven. So it's like, I don't, I don't know. It just didn't do anything for me. But uh, <laughs> as weird as I find this scene here, I find the next one even weirder, uh, where <laughs> we cut to a <laughs> random scene. Talk about this is a shit post of a scene. Like this is a complete and total shit post of a scene. It oh, it yeah. means nothing. And it's Mark eating a sandwich from the vending machine that is like oozing as he takes bites it's, out of it. It's like a manwich. Yeah, it's like either a, a sloppy Joe kind of thing or almost like a hot pocket. Like it's like it, the yeah, I thought it was more like a hot pocket type thing that just burst. the ingredients. Mm-hmm. The ingredients are just bursting out of it as he's chewing it looked, on it. It looked very bun like to me, though. That was oh, I went sloppy Joe. But uh, what? But this does not matter. Yeah, you gotta think outside the bun. Regardless, <laughs> regardless of what it does. Or, or what it is, it does nothing in the grand scheme of things. It just is an excuse for Carol to go, like, Carol's sitting in the background in chairs, and, and the, the camera shifts focus over to Carol, and she's just <laughs> like, ew, like, that's that's disgusting, or something like that. And, it, and he's like, I don't know, it's pretty good. Like, you should try it. Like, another one. <laughs> like, it's such a weird dude moment of, like, weird levity in the middle of these very emotional scenes. Like, we're going to have a, I mean, she's going to be sobbing in the next five minutes. And like here, she's talking about you know how disgusting Mark's sandwich is. It's it's just it's weird. But but what breaks that up, Daniel? Uh, see, this felt like. Let me tell you what this felt like. This felt like some of those early to mid season one total shifts. Remember those where it would just yeah, zigzag. We complained a lot. We about sure those. fucking did. Like I'm thinking of our everybody's favorite episode, ER Confidential, where we went from plucking a chicken or no plucking a turkey to uh, a transgender woman jumping off the roof. Like, weird tonal shifts that made no sense. And this is of that same variety here because Kube is brought in with a stab wound to the chest. Uh, several. Several stab wounds. Stab wound. One in particular that is uh, not great. Uh, Lauren? Oh, this is an awful time for it. But whose films are those? I want to note they are the same ones that were in the room in that trauma room previously when Anthony was in there moments before. I This is, again, not a great time to point this out, but this is the really one of the only times that the whose films are those trope comes up in this episode. Um, I, I made a point to grab it at least <laughs> once, and it was just the end of the episode, and I was like, shit, we still haven't done yeah. this. <laughs> uh, I saw... In one of the ER groups, I don't remember which one it was, but I saw somebody that was watching a later season episode, uh, and they remarked about the films being up on the board in the trauma room. Mm-hmm. In and this is like mm-hmm. way down the line, like probably probably mm-hmm. eleven and, and beyond somewhere in there. Uh, and they were like, "I've seen this film on the board several times. Like, it's uh, I'm not sure what it is. It's a chicken. <laughs> like, <laughs> and so we're going to have to look for that when we get later okay. on. Like, at okay. some point, they're going to start using a chicken x-ray. Uh, Excellent. And I'm going to need you did to point I, that out. Did I tell you guys the really flattering thing that I got told on Discord the other day? No. Uh, that you're beautiful and amazing and everyone loves you? No, it's almost better than that. <laughs> um, so one of our listeners was apparently watching a later season episode Um and a whose films are those moment came up and she heard it in my voice <laughs> when she thought it. That's And that's that's how we've made that it. That is high praise. I was like, I am living rent free in someone's head. 
and that's horrifying. <laughs> just you going, whose films are those? Whose films are those? Yeah. <sighs> you got to do it in the same D'Antonio. <laughs> that's where that's where the cadence is. Uh, Not applicable because he is no longer MSU's coach, can, but still. Can you tell that we don't want to talk about this? <laughs> like the, the, the current yeah. uh, situation that's happening right now? Tone tonal Kube, shit Kube go. brought in with a massive stab wound don't want to talk about it uh, we find out that Mobilaje jumped out the window and ran away on foot when paramedics got there so the implication they never actually come right out and spell it out and say it here but the implication is that he stabbed her right I think the implication is she must have had that talk that Carol advised right. it triggered his PTSD he went ape shit. Hold on. He let me finish my thesis, and then you can tell me why I'm wrong. He went ape shit and stabbed her. That is what we are led to believe here. Now, Lizzie, tell me why I am wrong or what your thoughts are. No. So, in addition to that, they said he called nine one one, right? But wouldn't let the paramedics or the cops in. Yeah. So they had to force entry after he jumped out the window and ran away. On I foot. had a brief moment where. And I could be completely off base with this, but is this is this up there with Susan was just no, dreaming or talking no, to herself the no, whole time? But I still stand by that theory, and I I want I want <laughs> someone to write a thesis on it. Um, no, I had a brief moment where I thought I was like, did they have this like intense you know emotional discussion and like it it went badly, and she felt personally responsible and stabbed herself. That was like. That was the thought that I had. Because they never do spell it out one way or the other as far as whether but, he did it. But to stab yourself multiple times in the chest? I, like, think about the physics. I mean, we just had a guy went. a couple episodes ago who had self-inflicted stab wounds. We It was just, just a few episodes ago that we had that. I'm just... I have completely forgotten this. <laughs> he was a very minor patient. It was basically an excuse for Doyle and, uh, I think, Corday to have a little moment. But... I thought, oh, I know what you're talking about now. But no, I, but to do the level of infliction. No, you're absolutely right. About, I just, that's... you know, it, it was, it was a brief fleeting thought and it, it's just, uh, this whole thing is so upsetting. Well, let's uh, flip the switch right back over to uh, <laughs> uh, comedy. A different flavor of upsetting. Yeah. Uh, so let's uh, go to our next audio clip here. Carter's waiting for Lucy upstairs so they can talk. Compatible. The best thing for us to do is to go back to being... Hey. Hi, hey. What are you doing up here? Uh, waiting for you. Really? Um, yeah. Look, is there some place that we can, uh, we can go? Um, we could go back to my dorm. My roommate leaves by 6.30. Your dorm. Okay, fine. Your place, then. Weaver's house. No, no. See, this is the problem. <clears throat> You're a student, and I'm a resident. Right, so you and said? we're not very compatible. No, that's true. Very few people drive me crazy the way that you do. Yeah, but you irritate the hell out of me. Right. Right, so clearly this is not something that's gonna work, and I mean, between hospital policy and us not really liking each other, we should just accept the fact that yesterday was a mistake, and we should, uh, things should go back to being the way they were before. Oh. I think that's the smartest thing to do for everyone involved. Oh. We could just have sex? No, no, that's my point. We can't just have sex. I don't want to have sex. Hi, how are you? <laughs> It was a mistake. It was wrong. Got you. Carter, you're really gullible, you know that? Oh, that wasn't funny. Sure it is. Look, you don't want to hang out? That's fine with me. I'm not really attracted to you anyway. Oh, you're not? No. You're a little closed off from my taste. Closed off? Emotionally withdrawn, not really in touch with your feelings. I am not. Sure you are. I am not. Just forget it, okay? You're right. We're not compatible. Believe me, I'm in touch with my feelings right now, and I want to throttle you. Throttle? There's an in touch with your feelings kind of word. Oh, now you're going to ridicule my vocabulary. Just, okay, I just meant opposites attract. 
Okay, we sound like my grandparents. They've been married 56 years. Still having great sex, too. <laughs> I get what she's trying to say and how she's trying to be with that, but that's not as good a pickup line as you yep, think. That is not the stinger you think it is there, Lucy. Oh, oh, oh God. Hate. That was, yeah. Shout out to him, though, with that, that impeccable line read, though. Yes. <laughs> I don't want to have to say, hey, hey, how are you? How are you? <laughs> and credit to the woman, too, who just, yeah, just smiles and just, <laughs> just watches so around the good. corner. Also, I love how he's like, my place, Carrie's house. No. 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 no see, this is the problem. <laughs> and also, um, this is why I go back to thinking that they had fooled around but not necessarily had sex in that episode because... Um, the way the way they're talking about, he's like, "This is a mistake. We shouldn't. We shouldn't have d- d- done anything. We shouldn't do this." And she goes, "Well, we could just have sex." He's like, "No." Um, but I think like because because the audio when before they pop up and she tries to get her sweater back on, it makes it sound like they're playing Twister and something just is not lining up right. See, so I think I think I've nailed it down in my own brain. I think I have fixed it in my own brain. I would not have the visceral reaction to this that I think I would. If they had not made Carter such a sophomoric scumbag in the initial part when he's like staring at her butt all mm-hmm. of a sudden and mm-hmm. like doing the thing. If they had made this 110% just gone in full bore with this being... Without Dale. It, right, remove Dale from the equation, but it go in 110% fully commit with this being Lucy's idea and Lucy's idea alone. She comes back from surgery full of piss and vinegar and is like, I'm going to, you know... I'm going to assert my dominance. I'm going to fuck yeah. her. <laughs> like if they'd have made this a hundred percent her idea and then he gets to have this sort of panicked response where you can tell on some level, he's at least a little bit attracted to her, but he knows it's a bad idea. And he's like, no, uh-uh. and we just get to see him be panicky and weird. A okay with it. Like hundred yeah. percent on board. But because they made it as like weird scumbag thing where we're supposed to pretend like this is a good idea for a while and let's play with the idea of them being a couple. No, man, that's not the way to do it. The way to do it is to make it her idea and like fully commit to it. And let's dress her not in her doctor's house. So we, so you just get a nice shot of her butt for the sake of this whole little plot thread. This, this could have been, I mean, this, this, I will say, I like this as much as I hated the the stuff in uh, whatever episode it was, two episodes ago. This was was good. I like this. Yeah. This is one of my favorite Carter Lucy interactions. This is I remembered this one vividly give me, when we went back, went back to this episode. Give me good enemies to lovers shit any day. Let's do this, but do it right. I just love it because like they actually really truly have chemistry. Yeah, like on screen mm-hmm. chemistry. And, and, like, and they're not like hating yeah. each other. They're not yeah. like they're 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 bickering, but it's like cute bickering. It's not God, Lucy, you're so fucking stupid. Yeah, yeah. Shall surgery we get on? Has, surgery has changed this woman. Shall we carry on? Sure. Uh, good news. It looks like they got uh, Kube stable. Um, Carol goes to turn the room and resupply from Trauma 2. And here's someone in the curtain room adjacent to, to Trauma 2. Um, sees that it's Mobilage and he's covered in blood. And he, she almost screams, drops what she's carrying. Uh, tells him that Kube is okay and stable. Um, he freaks out and starts throwing things, clearly distraught by what he's done. And Carrie pops in and is like, oh my god, what's going on? And Carol just gently asks Carrie to get Mark and security, noting that Mobilage is dealing with a PTSD um, episode. 
and he collapses onto the floor, sobbing as Carrie, Mark, and the security guard come in to assist. Oof. Nice. Right. And and Carol's and Carol's like, I've never like I had nothing to do with this. I hold I bear no responsibility for the outcome of this situation whatsoever. Is this the last we see of Mabalaje? No. Uh, no. Both I believe uh, Kube has one or two appearances left and Mobilaje has like three or four. So oh, we still okay. have we Shit. still have quite a bit to go with these two. But I, I had the same thought. I, thought. I was like, ooh, they're not gonna cut this off here, are they? Yeah, I was like, I thought this was the climax of that storyline, so Maybe it is, and it's just cleanup yeah. after this, but I don't know. Uh, so we've come to this, folks. Our last two scenes featuring one Doug Ross as a main character. My brain did Doug Clooney. That was fucked up. Yeah. Dan- Daniel's so distraught, he dropped his <laughs> mic. <laughs> it's fine. So let's have his last, uh, his last scene for... God knows how long. Yeah, for God knows how long. His last scene with words until season 15 um, with Carol. Thought I'd find you up here. How is she doing? She's fine. Sedated. What do you say? I was polite enough not to burst into song. Didn't try and talk me out of it. Well, did you expect him to? No. Uh, Julian in genetics stood up for me with the cops. And? I'm not going to prosecute. That's great. I'm here. I mean, work. I can't stay here. Not even for me? Come with me. I want you to stay here. I can't. I don't understand that. I have to go. Several things. Music, excellent. Shout out to Martin. Incredible, incredible music cue there. The restraint, too. The absolute restraint not to use the Doug and Carol theme there. Like, because mm-hmm. you know that had to be on their mind of like, you know, well, we got to get one more. I don't think they do it at all. 
I don't think they do it at all this entire episode. Like this one or no, the one before. So. They managed to go the, the whole last two-parter of Clooney and not use the Doug and Carol theme once. So kudos to them for that. Master stroke. Um, also, just fucking go with him. Honest to Christ. Like, like what yeah. does she fucking do the rest of her time on the show? Like, besides Kovach, like, that is, like, of, of any uh. note. Like, which, like I said, that's well, super, super fucking cursed anyway. So, like, just fucking go. Honestly. But I under I understand where she's coming from, that this was not a consequence of her actions. She was not, you know, mentally prepared to suddenly, within a day, suddenly have to think of picking up her whole life. Yeah. Like, if this was in my shoe, if I was in her shoes, I'd be in the same boat. Like... Yeah. If I suddenly asked you to move to Seattle with me, if you no, if you did you, not, if you asked me to move to Seattle, because that's that we have to realize that's not the whole discussion right. here. Yeah, that's the, dis- true. the discussion is I am leaving. Just come with me. Right. It's it's the the first part of that the the quiet part being spoken out loud here is I'm going anyway. I'm either leaving you or you're coming with me. It's not so much a discussion as it is an ultimatum. In addition, I just got you demoted. And I got right. you demoted, and I lost you, your clinic, and all this other shit. But no, pick up your whole fucking life and come with me to the other side of the country where you don't have any roots. Yeah. Yeah, no. It totally makes sense to me why she stays. Yeah. yeah. We we do get our, our, our little hand-wavy bit of dialogue that I was so thirsty for uh, that explains why mm. he doesn't get prosecuted. He's like Julian yep. or whatever in genetics stood up for him. So apparently all it took was the yeah. word of one random doctor in a different department that wasn't involved in the well, case at all to the, save Doug's no, ass. No, no. It was. No. It was well, he was in involved. He was consulted. He was consulted by Doug who no. then pushed him off and was mm-hmm. like, I'm not interested. Mm-hmm. They no. had been taking care of Ricky. Yeah, Before Dr. Julian was Ricky's primary genetics doctor. Fair. He was yeah. handling the case before Ricky got brought into the ER at all. So he would have passing familiarity with the case that Doug would not have had. Fair. Yeah. But still. Uh, and, the, and then on the other, the other note, which is far more pedantic, uh, I don't want to wake up alone tomorrow. I doubt he's leaving directly from the hospital to go to the airport. It still breaks my heart. <laughs> it's, but it, it sounds... still hits. It still stabs me right in the fucking heart. He's presumably going to go home and take a nap first. I mean, they don't just fly Seattle to fl- have flights to Seattle multiple times a day, every day. Out of you O'Hare? Know? I'm pretty sure they do. Yeah. <laughs> That's the joke. Also... From the from the way aforementioned, I hope they get fired for that blunder department. Uh, if you look at the if if you look at the stereo strips on Doug's face, and trust me, you'll be able to because there's several close-ups of Doug's face on his there's cheek. No, there's yeah, on his cheek. There's no cut under there. <laughs> there's, there's not even fake blood or yeah, anything. There's not even any fake blood like in the in the next scene. There's there's nothing under there. So I think this must have been a pickup Could have been. shot that they yeah. did, or a reshoot. Yeah, because... that's I'm thinking it might be a reshoot. Because, yeah, the other one, they clearly remembered to dress it. Yeah. Well, so... and the, the the next scene, of course, is a location shot, too. So that was also presumably yeah. done far in advance of the rest of the episode. True. True, true, true. But, oh, my... yeah, that just takes me back to Love's Labor Lost when uh, Anthony Edwards shot that whole train breakdown before he shot the rest of the before episode. Before he even knew what the rest of the episode was about. they All they told him was that Mark had a bad day and was taking it home with him. And he managed to pull that shit out. Like, don't tell me Anthony Edwards isn't one of the best actors fucking walking. Like, that dude is incredible. To be able to pull that kind of emotion out 
with nothing to draw from. But but yeah, going back to this, um, yeah, I don't want to wake up alone tomorrow. Just stabs me right in the it feels. It it's because it's one of my um my biggest fears. Well, Just... we're getting. I'm, I'm learning some new information. No, you knew this because we've had that discussion. I haven't heard it in a while though. Yeah. So so that one punched me right in the feels. Just, That'll do it. Mm. That's fair. Likewise, kiddo. Damn Skippy. Uh, so, speaking of location shots, let's uh, go to our final shot, our final part of this episode <laughs> where we have audio for Mark and Doug are out on on the lake shore. <laughs> Brown bagging it on the lake in February. This isn't the coldest place on earth. I don't know what is. <sighs> it's your idea to come out here. Just trying to remind myself why I'm so happy getting the hell out of here. You're not going to become a Trailblazers fan, are you? Maybe. The Sonics. Oof. That's just wrong. Seahawks? I don't know, maybe. Doesn't it rain like 300 days a year out there? Save me a lot of money watering my lawn. You don't have a lawn. some hoops? Sure. Come on. You know what I am going to miss? What? Whipping your ass on the court. All right. I think I ever lost a game. Dreams. Play for a buck a point. Hell no. <laughs> you scared? No. You cheat. I do not. You do cheat. I do not. You're a cheater. Play us out, Martin. Uh, it's just, it's so good. And does it, does that just ooze season one to anybody else? Yeah. Yes. The two of them there? I think, yeah. And I think that's probably intentional. I think it's... I don't care. No, it's no. I'm, I'm not saying, it, I'm not saying <laughs> it should detract from it at all. I think, you know, it's... We've heard from... I mean, I, I actually went back and counted the other day. We've talked to, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of like 22, 23 different people from the cast and crew at this point, man, many of whom had overlap with one or both of these guys and a lot of them describe the two of them as like the co-captains of the ship like these two were the leaders of that cast they you know it's corny but like they set the tone like they they really did like establish the way that the cast and crew carried themselves the way that they uh acted just everything about it and this is, I mean, you know, as good as that Carol and Doug scene is, you know, one before this, there will be more, not many more, but there will be a couple of more. We'll get to see Carol and Doug together again. We will never see Mark and Doug together again. Like, nope. this is the last time you will ever see the two of these two characters on screen together ever again. And it's pretty much the last time they'll ever refer to this friendship ever again. Like, they don't really, mm-hmm. they, they, the focus turns much more anytime Doug is brought up. It's always in the context of Carol. It's never brought up in the context of Mark. So this is it for that friendship. And it's so nice to get to close it down on the two of them in just a a good organic bromance moment. One more for the road. Also, 
Also, you heard it here first, folks. Doug Ross is an Oklahoma City <laughs> Thunder fan. Yeah, Sonics isn't going to work out too great for you, Doug. I'm, I, I hate to hate to break that news to you 10 years early. Uh, I'm going to make one more note with that audio. We end with a Clooney chuckle. As, as we should. As we should. No yes. other appropriate way to one go. One more for the one more for the the Mary's wake up tone. <laughs> oh man, I I'm gonna miss him. I mean, we're obviously we're gonna do the whole episode, you know, of the whole arc of Doug Ross, the character. We are we're not we the three of us are not done with him by any stretch of the imagination. Oh no it's, no no no. I'm just gonna say it's so weird to be at this point. It is though. extremely yeah. weird to be at this point. When we were conceiving the idea of doing this show, and we think of all the milestones that we're gonna hit. This is one of the ones that you think about, and it's weird to think that we're here, and it's weird to think that we're going to wake up, you know, next week and do next week's episode, and Clooney's not going to be a part of it. And, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do the, I'm going to do the Instagram tags and all my hashtags at the bottom won't include George Clooney's name because he's no longer on the show. And more specifically, the week after, because next week... It's a bottle the Benton well, show. Right, yeah. But he's still not he's still yeah. not a part of that. But you're right, yes. It's it's gonna be weird the next time we're inside the county ER and Doug is not part of that. I'm a little verklempt. Oh, I am too. I, I I'm I'm like I didn't think this was gonna make me as emotional as it did, but now that we're actually talking about it, I'm a little bummed. Yeah. He it, he was especially towards the latter uh, you know, T- latter stages of his time on the show you could like we, we've been talking about this for close to a year now his foot has been firmly one foot out the door mm-hmm. for quite a while now but even during those times when he was being written lighter and he wasn't around as much or he would show up at the beginning of an episode and wave and say hi and then disappear he was still there and he was still this like calming soothing presence to have even when he was doing the stupidest shit you know and i think somebody says this in the in the listener responses but like it's not so much that I'm going to miss Doug. It's that I'm going to miss George. Like yeah. George is such yeah. a calming presence and has done nothing really in the time since to detract from that image. Like he's he if anything he's gotten better over the years in terms of his public persona. You know, and so yeah. that's the thing that I'm really going to miss is having our friend George hanging around you know, mugging for the camera, doing stupid shit you know, using his notes to keep track of all the, the medical terminology, like all of that stuff. That's the stuff that I'm going to miss. And, you know, but we'll, we'll, we will get into more of it on the bonus episode, but. And for me, it's just like, we're okay. So we're getting into my favorite stretch of seasons, six, seven, and eight. Yeah. But we're, we're getting into part two of the, sh- or part three of the show. Yeah. Part really. Two. Yeah. Part uh, it's method. <laughs> However many parts you want it's to It's like assign. the Zelda timeline. We keep fucking with it. <laughs> yeah. It's Act fine. three of however many, however, however many you want. But this is truly a chapter yeah. ending. And I have to say, spoiler alert for those next chunk of seasons, you know, all things left, all things left the same. How, how, how much I really, truly... From the bottom of my bones, wanted Clooney around for Anth- for Mark's cancer. Oh, for the like for that whole arc. Yeah, for that whole for that whole yeah, it, arc. Like it yes, does feel like there's a void. So many great yeah, there's so many great moments throughout that. So many great character moments. So much great acting throughout See, it. See, this but, is why I like doing this shit because 
That is a take that I've never fucking heard. It's always about the goddamn funeral, which we're going to talk I, about I, the when minute, we get there. The minute... <laughs> The minute Lizzie said, I wish he I had know. been around I was for like, Marks, I, I was like, like don't, Lizzie, don't you no, dare. No, 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 but no, no, you are absolutely, no. it's always about that goddamn funeral. And it's like, that couldn't fucking possibly matter less. Exactly. But you're right. The funeral is. The arc the, is what is missing. The funeral is one moment. And you could have had so many beautiful moments with them just shooting hoops, talking about shit, and just have mark having someone besides because even even with carol gone too he's yeah he, he his, never really who's his best friend it, it becomes elizabeth and i like, mean yeah but i mean outside but like outside of his wife but yeah he never really replaces that role in his life like he never really has that confident or confidant best friend outside of his romantic relationship which is to the detriment of both him and elizabeth eventually later but yeah. like yeah, it's you're absolutely right. His presence is never more noticeable than it is during that arc. Like he would be such yeah. an amazing addition to that arc, and I can see, I understand why they couldn't have done it because he was off busy being the biggest movie star in the world. Uh, but you're absolutely right that that would have been some amazing stuff to see. Like that there there's there's yeah. so much potential for gold in there that. It's my biggest, I think it's my, it's my, probably my biggest missed opportunity on this show, which it's even wasn't necessarily, it was an opportunity, but like. Hypothetical. But my biggest what if um, moment. So I'm going to, I'm going to bring us back a little more narrow field here because that's, that's stuff we can definitely get into more on the retrospective. Yeah. But for this, how do we feel they stuck the landing with him leaving? How do we feel about this episode? Uh, I have no major qualms. There's like a couple of little like minor things like him not really having any consequences. Yeah. yeah. I mean you could depend you could say how major how major that is can be, you know, your perspective. Oh, it's just another Yeah. I just another guy, you know, you know you know yeah. what I'm yeah. getting at. I think it was to the benefit that we didn't have really one concentrated patient this episode, mm -hmm. so we could really let the ER as a character breathe while all of this was going yeah. on. Yeah. But I don't know how like in terms of like Doug's final interaction with Carol and his final interaction with Mark yeah. and part part two. I don't know how you part do that two. Better. I think has um, more um, memorable and and great individual moments. Um, and you know, there's there's I, I mean, both episodes, both halves of this this uh, two parter are pretty darn close to perfect like there's there's a few little like like lizzie said little minor things you could poke and prod at if you really wanted to but they're pretty darn close to perfect i will say though i think part two while it has better uh individual moments of greatness i think part one works better as an overall episode with flow and pacing and everything i think part one yes. is the superior episode whereas part two has better individual moments when you think of like doug leaving it's all the stuff from part two um, but when you go back and actually watch it, part one actually works a little better than part two does. And I think a big part of that, which we didn't really touch on that much in this episode, we touched on it a little bit. But I think having Joy not around at all for part two really kind of takes away a little bit of that. Her and Clooney had such good on-screen on chemistry that him and the dad don't have. And obviously this is a little bit more about tying up loose ends with Carol and Mark. 
but I just feel like she's a little bit of a missing ingredient in this episode that maybe could have added a little bit of flavor to it. I don't know how they could have done that. I don't know how they could have incorporated her and made it make sense. Um, but, and, and also too, like we also didn't touch on this a lot either, but like as upsetting, uh, the, the mobile and Kube stuff, the absolute fucking balls on them to make that a B plot. <laughs> like, yeah, that's like, totally an A plot. That in, is an A plot unto itself. And it's like the absolute balls on these people to make this a B plot in this episode is, uh, it, it kind of works, but it also, it's just sort of like in a vacuum. It's like, huh, why would you do that? Why would you take this otherwise? Gr- not great. I mean, it's an awful story, but like, a plot worthy story and subject it to second place in this. I I don't know, but still perfect episode and mm, loved it. Yeah. It's a solid 9.5 out of 10 Definitely. for me. I don't know what I'd give it. Honestly, I think like, I think if I'm being honest, like it, it did what it needed to do, but I just feel like, again, it was another more frenetic one, which we know I struggle with really engaging with on an emotional level, especially like that first half of it. Fair. So I'd say, I'd say eight, 8.5. If I'm like, it's a, it's great enough that it's going to keep in those high numbers with all the character beats that we talked about. But I feel like as a flow, it kind of lost me at times. So that's the only reason I'm docking it at yeah. all. Fair enough. What the listeners have to say about it? Oh, they had plenty. Oh well, I would expect them to. <laughs> um, I'm I may I may uh tap out and ask for help. We'll see how this goes. There's a lot of them here, but we'll start out with Steve A says, ah, one of the last episodes of the series to actually show a decent multi trauma. I miss the use of the steady cam in later seasons where they instead resorted to handheld shaky cam, but everyone was at the top of their game in this episode. George, Juliana, Laura. I was I was I read that as like Laura and I was like what did Juni do? She did a lot, but Laura, Inez, and Gloria all giving great uh, performances and genuinely touching goodbye for Doug. Also, kudos to Marty Davich for another amazing score. Do we know if he goes by Marty or is I it Martin? Uh, I've, I've okay. seen him in stuff being credited as Marty, so yeah. Okay, I hadn't heard that one before, so cool, good to know. Um, Katie B says the Carol and Doug scenes broke me. I love the scene with Mark and Carol when he tells her he will miss her more than Doug. They have such an underrated friendship. So many traumas in one episode was such an intense episode. One of the better ones of the season. Angela G, friend of the show who designed some of our stickers. I think his exit was well done. There was set up an execution and story behind it. No bobs for this Doug. I did kind of have issues with how he left Carol pregnant and alone after all the character development and changed the show through at the relationship. Their goodbye was not satisfying to me. Carol was like, please don't leave me. And Doug does the, no, I am a man and I must go kind of thing. Franner W says, when Carol breaks and says to Mark, I can't remember a time when I didn't love him. It caught me unaware and had me in bits. I felt... I felt everything she was feeling right at that moment and don't remember doing so in the four or five other times I've watched it. And just when I'd gathered myself, the Carol and Doug scene happens and I'm shouting, just go with him, which in my eyes should have been at the end of the episode, not him and Mark shooting hoops. It made me feel that him and Mark's relationship was the most important one. Or maybe that's what they wanted me to feel. Anywho, 
They are all brilliant in this episode, and huge shout out to Marty, friend of the show, <laughs> Davich. For, I want you guys to know that was uh, Franner's uh, comment. I did not put in friend of the show this time. Marty, friend of the show, Davich, for a perfect and sensitive scoring, too. I want to I want to address that real quickly. Um, not the friend of the show part, although I, th- I did think that was <laughs> funny. How do we feel about that? Do we feel like it was the right choice to have them end on the Mark and Doug note rather than the Doug and Carol, or should it have been the other way around? I, th- I think it was perfect. But I also know we're all team bromance over here, and we've also talked a lot about the consequences of how they end that thing with Carol yeah. anyway. I think if she was going with him, it would have made sense to do a chasing him at the airport oh, kind of thing. Oh, which I'm so glad they but didn't since I am I know, but I'm just saying, like, if they were going that route of her actually deciding to go with him, that might Fair. make sense. But since he's leaving, it makes a really good sense here to have his and Mark's goodbye, yeah. especially since as a retrospective, we know this yeah. is it. It's so important to have this closure because we know Carol's going to get to see him and go be with him and be happy. But Mark won't. This is it yeah. for Mark. I agree. So retrospective that's why i think it's important they did it the way they did um Haley k says a really good episode everyone acted the crud out of it the relationships you see here are some of my favorites carolyn mark's friendship is kind of underrated but i love it so much and i wish we had more and of course our beloved doug and carol their last scene together breaks my heart every time her crying is so sad and she just needs a hug the ending scene always kind of annoyed me like why end it there but then it kind of bookends their story. It starts with these two boys and ends with them. Anyway, great episode. An- another true. excellent point that we did not we did yeah. not uh, pick up on. Yeah. I mean, hey, at least Doug's not drunk this time. Yeah. Also true. Uh, Audrey T says, To not dwell too much on what has been said already, I think I'm going to miss Clooney more so than Doug Ross. He was so exhausted in real life doing ER and movies, I'm glad he made this decision. The story of the Acabos was so sad. They're such a good and sweet couple. What happened to them is unimaginable. Also, when Carrie had to tell Jeannie she might have hep C, broke my heart too. To end on a good note, when leaving the crash site in the ambulance, the EMT smiling at Mark and saying they're all alive. Loved it. And last but not least, at the full-time dad on Twitter says, One of the things Daniel and I have talked about is the scoring of this episode and how they used frequently used Davich scores in ways that elevated the episode. And it's amazing how the same score can be used to evoke dramatically different emotions. Go back to Shades of Grey and watch Peter go to Elizabeth's door and pour out his heart to her about Morganstern, which leads to the highly anticipated first kiss. Now, juxtapose that to Carol tearfully declaring, I don't want to wake up alone tomorrow, leading into her final kiss with Doug. Guess what? Same score. And two totally different emotions. Incredible and hats off to Martin Davich for stellar work. Damn. Yeah. Uh, that is an excellent point, and uh, he's absolutely right. Like, uh, full-time dad is is really good at that, like, picking out. It's not always abundantly clear, unless it's a really recognizable piece of music. It's not always abundantly clear to us as we're watching when we're hearing a recycled score and for him it is like he knows that shit as he's hearing it as he's watching it and he's right like if you go back to shades of gray and listen to that moment 
it's meant to to evoke these very happy emotions and this very sweet moment whereas here it's this very tragic very like melancholy moment and it's the same exact piece of music and it fits perfectly in both instances and it's such a testament to martin to, to write a piece of music that can be used so seamlessly in completely opposite ways it's just mm. I, I love what a what a fucking like love fest that whole <laughs> response thing was for it's uh I, I may or may not be tweeting him right now just about how tonight's recording is he, such a love fest for his work. He has completely hijacked Clooney's last episode to take all the love away from him. Like, maybe one person was like, I'm going to miss Clooney. Everybody else is like, ain't that Marty Davich something else? Like, fucking A. <laughs> Well, that's about going to wrap up our episode for today. Thank you all very much for listening, as always. This show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast. For only $1 a month, you can get access to our shows. And for only $5 a month, you can get a free sticker featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry. Two-week early access to all of our cast and crew interviews. Over 20 hours of bonus audio and video content, including the full season recap episodes. A bonus show called The Lounge, where we talk about whatever's going on for us in our lives and pop and the world at that moment. Movie reviews, where we talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member, and flash forwards, where we do a commentary track for future ER episodes. We'd also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at Set the Tone ER on Twitter. We are on Facebook at Facebook.com/slash Saying the Tone Podcast, and we are at Saying the Tone Podcast on Instagram. Also, be sure to check out the official Saying the Tone community on Facebook. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew M. Edwards and Daniel. Where can folks find you at? They can find me on Instagram at dan.u. That is Y-O-U dot E-L. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren, where can folks find you at? Folks can find me tweeting entirely too much about epilepsy and Animal Crossing on my personal Twitter at lowbob92345 because it is, in fact, Epilepsy Awareness Month this November. So then why'd you do the pumpkins in because, October? Because for trick-or-treaters, you do purple pumpkins in October, and then you leave them out through November for oh, awareness. Okay. So you do them as part of Halloween preparations, because that's when everybody's doing their pumpkin decorations. Gotcha. It starts a dialogue, and then it brings us into, you can leave them up through November, because it's it's epilepsy awareness month and since i have plastic pumpkins they can stay up for all of november to celebrate me and my epilepsy cool good to know Mm -hmm. Uh, and you can find me on twitter not celebrating lauren's epilepsy (laughs) celebrate me (laughs) i am at random gamer that's jm3r lauren's giving me the fingers and you can also find me on the popular courts youtube channel Doing a Let's Play of Mass Effect 2. Uh, new episodes of that are out every Friday, and you can find those videos and much, much more at youtube.com slash thepopularcourt. Thanks again to everyone very much for listening. Please join us again next time, and have a great week. Mm-hmm.